The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Clean Coders and its employees. Hey folks, um, Charles Maxwood here. Uh, I'm here with Mike Watcott. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. Now, the last episode that we released, um, which I just finished recording, was with uh, uh, Jonathan Oliver, um, who works with Mike. Now, are you business partners or...? No, I'm just a, I'm a developer there. He's the kind of founding okay. chief smarty pants, as we call him at Smarty Streets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, good deal. So, um, so you work at Smarty Streets. Um, it sounds like you were on the same uh, Clean Coders series that he was on. That's right. Doing yeah. Go, um, having Uncle Bob... Uh, laugh at you while Snicker you snicker in the yeah. background as we, yeah, as, made as you mistakes. messed up code and go. Yeah, yeah. good deal. So, um, why don't you give people kind of an idea of who you are and where you're from and all that stuff? Sure, I'm from uh, Utah Valley in Utah, the state of Utah, and I've lived there most of my life. Um, yeah, it sounds like we grew up in kind of the same area. So, yeah, city of Orem. Yeah, yeah. we went to different high schools though. Um, Oldest of five kids. Uh, I'm married. I have some kids now of my own. Uh, I actually didn't study computer science or, or IT in college. My specialty was music. I, I even got a teaching certificate and taught junior high band for three oh, really? years. Where at? In Mapleton, which is also in uh-huh. Utah Valley. Yep. And uh, that was fun, but I realized that I wasn't going to be able to... Uh, I was going to go crazy probably, uh, uh-huh. but it was it was a great experience. I'm really glad I did it. And about halfway through that stint, uh, writing code started sounding fun again. Creating things with a computer. Fun again. Fun. So you'd done the yeah. In it the was past? kind of my plan A in high school and junior high, and then music just kind of took over and became uh-huh. really important to me. And I left uh, I left that path temporarily. So I got back into coding and. Uh, uh, eventually was introduced to Jonathan and he took a chance on me and 10 years later here we are Wow so Smarty Streets was your first full-time development job yeah it wasn't Smarty Streets back then but right. uh, basically yeah it was my first foray that's that's fascinating now I want to get him back here and be like <laughs> what makes you take a chance on a band teacher man well I knew his wife uh, uh, we, we worked yeah. at the same place, uh-huh. and so there was a good character reference there. Yeah, and I had been doing some moonlighting contract jobs. Okay, and so I, you know, I, I sent him some code, which he probably laughed at, uh, but but saw that you know I did know how to code a little bit, and he he felt like he could take take me from there. Boy, and it's it's interesting. I talked to so many people about hiring and. More and more people, they've hired kind of the the high end um, genius coder and had them blow stuff up at work personally or sure. professionally or something like that, and realize, you know what, I just need to hire, or, you know, or they just they have to do it their way, you know, and it, it kind of hurts everybody else. 
they figure out, oh, I've got to hire for aptitude. You know, can you pick it up? Can you do it right? Am I going to have to fight you for the next five years? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it sounds like you had all that going for you and it, it made it an easy decision. Yeah, and to his credit, he was more than willing to invest in me and my learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just fed me book after book yeah. and coded with me, sat with me, whiteboarded with me. Um, I was lucky to have yeah. so much training from him. He was of the opinion that uh, well, he had a business partner at the time that kind of got after him for spending so much time with the new guy. Mm-hmm. Why are you going to train him? He's just going to leave. And John said, what if I don't train him and he stays? <laughs> so he had, uh, I think he had a really great mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I probably every month I have a different company reach out to me and say, we need senior developers. Do you know any? And I'm like... <laughs> Yes, but I don't know you, yeah. right? So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna send you my friends because I don't know what they're gonna wind up with. But the other thing is, is they're like, well, how do we hire senior developers? And you know, and I'm like, well, you know. So we talk through some things, and then I'm like, why don't you hire junior developers and train them? And yeah, yeah it's well, it's an investment. They're just gonna leave, and I'm like, not if you give them reasons to stay. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. So, so yeah, I'm loving what I'm hearing so far. And it, I, I recommend if you didn't hear Jonathan's interview, he talks about a lot of this stuff, not directly with hiring junior developers, but just the way that he approaches, you know, running his team and, you know, the, the kinds of discussions that he has and, and the way that things work. So um, anyway, go check that out. Um, with you, you said that you wanted to talk about, and I, I love this idea, um, some of the, how did you put it, the... the Procedures disciplines. and disciplines that we t- kind of take for granted. Yeah, so I, I love. Recently, I have kind of gone on a quest to figure out what are my own disciplines, and that was inspired by actually an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, where he talks about promising himself many years prior to swim a certain length of time. Uh huh. And it's something he enjoys doing, but doesn't always feel like doing, but he does it anyway. Right. And keeping his promises, even to himself, is one of his disciplines. Mm-hmm. Right. And you wrote a blog post about this, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. it's on my website, michaelwatcott.com. Discipline leads to traction. Right. Um, so, so it prompted me to question: What are my disciplines? What what things do I hold to, even when the going gets tough? Um, so there are certain things that we do as software developers that we just do because we're told to do it. And we don't really think about how the the discipline is benefiting us or how we can build on it Mm -hmm. and leverage that for even more value. Um, That's human human nature, though, isn't it? Because we we find a comfortable place, we just kind of go with it, right? Not really thinking about, okay, you know, why is society this way? Why is the industry this way? Why is my team this way? What's the history? What's the context right why do we do it that way yeah and it's all below the surface it's below our awareness it's almost subconscious it's hard right. to see those things and it's comfortable tomorrow so we just show yep. up and do it again yep yeah and a, a good example is uh, we use version control software because we use version control software right there isn't it isn't really questioned anymore why we do it uh, but when you think about... And we're not grateful anymore that yeah. we don't have to use CVS. Right, right. Like <laughs> I did in college. That was so painful. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Even those even those bad tools give you a, some right. value. Yeah. Uh, we just don't realize how good we have it now with GitHub and, and just Git in general. Uh-huh. Uh, so 
that discipline requires you to stop the code that you're writing, think about the code that you've written, compose a message, you have to think about, is this a breaking change? Do I need to tag a new version? Maybe uh, you have to think about the versioning scheme you're gonna use. And so that, and then there's the added challenge of, oh, I just tried to push, but I can't because someone else pushed, so now I have to integrate. Commit, merge. And yeah, is this a merge or a rebase? What are we doing? Yes. Um, and, and that can be frustrating at times, especially for new developers who are just uh -huh. trying to figure out coding, and you know, that, that plays into the training that you were right. talking about. There's way more to, co to, to software than just writing code. Right. Um, so, Obviously, we do this because it gives benefits. Uh, with reverse, revision control, there's the history that we see, there's documentation that we get, uh, there's integration with other tools, we have distributed copies of our code everywhere, which is a good thing, um, and, and the, the, the benefits just go on and on. Uh, and so we do it, we continue to do it. Uh, now, you can combine revision control with other disciplines that in interesting ways that you may not have thought of. For instance, uh, test-driven development. Kent Beck pioneered that many years ago, and it's becoming more mainstream, but he's he's not done innovating. He's still coming up with ideas and other workflows. Right. And recently he he was with a group, I think, and he, he proposed the idea that, uh, let's say every time our, our tests pass, that we commit the code. Just have a tool do that for us. Does that assume TDD? It kind of does, yeah. yeah. So every time we're writing our tests and we get from red to green, right. we do a commit. And obviously, if a tool is doing a commit, the message isn't going to be very helpful, so you're going right. to have to go back and squash those commits into something you know, logical and, and give it a good message so that others can understand it. Uh, then someone else raised their hand and said, well, if we're going to commit when the tests pass, how about we revert when the tests fail? And so the, the idea of test and commit or revert was born. Right. And he started kind of just playing with it and posting some videos about it. And, and I've picked up on it and tried it. Lots of people are trying it. It's definitely not mainstream yet, like TDD right. is, if you can call TDD mainstream. Right. Um, but, and it, it also requires that you build a little tool to help you with that. Um, and you have to come up with a nice way to squash commits when you're ready. Right. Uh, Where does refactoring fit into that? Oh, basically, it, so the, the workflow is somewhat different from TDD in that you never want to see red. You never want right. to see a failure. So whether you're refactoring or trying to add a new test or make a, uh, add new uh, behavior, you're working in such tiny steps that everything just stays passing. Okay. And sometimes you have to invent clever ways to keep the test passing even though you know it's not right yet. Yeah. Um, you're saying that these tests express the behavior of the system as it currently stands even though we know that's not right. So you'll skip an assertion or you're, you'll say it should not equal what it really should equal for a little bit while you rough it into place. Um, the discipline really shocked me. I thought I would hate it too but I wanted to try it. And I found that the way it forced you into working in such small steps, it taught me how cavalier I normally am. And I oh, don't right. realize it. We as developers think we know what we're doing and we think we're methodical mm -hmm. and responsible, but there are times when we just do crazy cowboy things. And this tool yeah. humbles you. It, it takes all that away because the first time it reverts your code, a lot of code that you thought was gonna work and it doesn't, you begin to immediately think, okay, how could I do that in smaller steps? Which is a really nice 
thing to think as a developer. Right. And you, you, it gives you this feeling of traction. Like, if I just make tiny little steps, tiny little commits, right. I'm unstoppable. I will get to the goal mm -hmm. if it's just tiny steps. Um, and it actually works in group settings. It works on by yourself. I, I've, I've been really surprised how it can work for new developers, too, that mm -hmm. are, aren't even really experienced with TDD. Right. Just make a small step and run it. And, mm -hmm. and if it passes, get committed, and you can go on and write the next little bit. It's very reassuring to have knowledge that your system is working every five right. or ten seconds which is what tdd was supposed to do but i feel like it's very easy to drag out a red green refactor oh, yeah. cycle into five ten fifteen minutes or longer uh, well and, and i have a tendency to do that too right it's it's you know i've written the test for this big feature you know yeah. and then i don't go tdd the smaller pieces mm -hmm. and so yeah half hour later i commit uh, you know. A huge chunk of stuff. And uh, lately I've been doing some live streams and I've not been writing tests because I'm just trying to figure yeah. out, I'm learning Vue.js. Mm. And so I've been trying to just figure out, you know, how, how do all the pieces go together? And um, yeah, I'll, I'll get halfway through a feature and go, yeah. I never com committed the last section of stuff that I did right. And so then I've got to go and try and yeah. figure out what to add in. Right. So I like this for the yeah, just the real modularity of what I'm building, right? And I get that that small section, that small thing. Right. Yeah, and so again, this is combining the discipline of testing and a variant of TDD with the discipline of using revision control software. And it gives you amazing traction when the going gets tough. Yep. Other examples are, uh, you know, if you've ever tried pair programming or mob programming and, and didn't enjoy the experience that was that was me i i was told that mob pair, or pair programming is this great thing and you need to do it otherwise you're not going to get collective code ownership and and it's true yeah not um, but i could never get around the idea that mobbing is hard and it's emotionally exhausting yes and, <laughs> yes. and it's it's just hard to get right um so then Uncle Bob comes and we do this, uh, this Clean Coders series and without realizing it, he taught me a really great lesson because those, those uh, series work in the Pomodoro method. He basically sets a timer, allows you to work for 20 minutes and then the timer goes off and that segment is done. That video segment is over. No matter how far you got or how, <laughs> how bad it was, it's yeah. over. And you take a break and then you come back and do another 20 minute session. And I found that those breaks gave me the renewal that I needed right. to come back to the pair and keep going. Not that I don't enjoy working with John Finn or anyone right. else at Smarty Streets, but there comes a point when you are mobbing or pairing where somebody would benefit from a break, but no one has really realized it yet. Right. And the timer just says, you know, take a break, no matter if you, if no matter how, uh, how much momentum you think you have going, take a break, come back. We do this on a larger scale as human beings every day. It's called sleeping. Mm -hmm. We take a break no matter where we are. We sleep, we renew, we come back with renewed right. energy. So that's, that's combining the time management skill of, or discipline of Pomodoro with, uh, with pairing or collaborative program. Right. Both constraining behaviors on their own, but can really give you some good right. value. So I'm, I'm going to kind of 
drag us back toward the main idea for a minute. So you, you mentioned that we have these disciplines that we follow that give a certain level of traction, and a lot of them are things that we just kind of take for granted, or you know maybe we do a little bit better with our commit messages or things like that if it's Git that we're talking about. But then, how do you look at those disciplines and decide what ways you want to make them better? Because you know you, you kind of gave TCR as an example of how that might be a way of doing that. Sure. But but yeah, let's go back to Git or maybe TCR, right? So uh, test commit group. Uh, Revert. Test and commit or revert. Test and commit or revert. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, let's say you take one of these practices. So what's an example of deciding, okay, I've got this discipline, but now that it's kind of automatic for me, right? I mean, doing a commit, a get yeah. commit is automatic. How, how do I find ways to make that better? That's a great question. Um, you know, I'm looking for the more traction, right? Yeah. More efficiency, more. Well, in general, traction. Well, you can think of it as um, like a horse galloping. The hooves are touching the ground pretty frequently. Right. Um, but there is a distance between footsteps. There's a gate there. If you now think of like um, a bulldozer or a tank with treads. Those treads are touching the ground and anchored to the ground right. almost, and that's what propels the heavy machinery forward. Right. Um, so, anything you can do to work in smaller phases or steps uh -huh. is good. I didn't really come up with any of this stuff. It's mostly me being aware of what's going on and following smart people right. online and what they're doing, and and it's me realizing, oh. They're just combining these these two things that I've always accepted in a new way. Okay. So I don't really know if I can tell you how to do that because I don't know how. Um, yeah, but your your answer isn't wrong either, right? Sure. Because uh, yeah, I, I kind of asked how do you invent new ways of yeah I don't know doing better. <laughs> it just comes when you're ready for it. <laughs> but, yeah, but the other thing is is first I'll give you an example. So um, lately I've been doing a lot of outreach for sponsorship for the podcast that we run at devchat.tv, right? And, I mean, I've, I've just been kind of grinding through a process that I've had, and then, you know, I tweak it a little bit, and then I grind some more, and then I tweak it again, right, depending on what kind of feedback I get. And so, that's not necessarily me reinventing the way of doing it, but, you know, I'm making those gradual improvements. And then, today, this morning, um, so you're my fourth podcast that I've recorded today. Wow. Um, so we, we did an episode of the Freelancer Show, which is a show for freelancers, right? And it's on a network for software developers, so the majority, you know, kind of fit that mold. And we were talking to the growth evangelist uh, for SEM Rush, which is a, an SEO tool, and he was talking about how he got on podcasts. And it was just kind of interesting, too. It was almost serendipitous because... Initially, we were talking about mistakes that freelancers make, and at the end, we started talking about lead gen, and so he, he throws out his whole process, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, okay, you know, a lot of these pieces are the same ones. You know, I'm using Gmail, and it offers me certain advantages, right, over maybe Outlook or some other system. Outlook has a lot of automation you can do on it, too, but, you know, as opposed to just Thunderbird or whatever. Right. But... You know, and then I've got the, the process that I go through to find qualified leads and then to get their email address and then to do the outreach. And, and so he's telling me about his system. And his system is, yeah, well, you know, I use LinkedIn and so does he, right? 
but he has a tool that goes onto LinkedIn and it'll find you hundreds of leads by crawling LinkedIn. Right. And it's a browser plugin. And I'm going, okay, so now instead of doing lead gen one at a time, uh, yeah, I'm doing lead gen a couple hundred at a time, right? And so, yeah, just by talking to people, by, by paying attention to what they're saying and, and you know, they've got more experience, they've, they've got different experience, they've done different things from you. Yeah. yeah, you look at it and you go, that feels revolutionary to me, but the reality is, is with what I've been given so far, you know, it's it's a logical progression to there, and I can try that out and see how it works for me. Right. I, I like what you said about pay att paying attention to feedback along uh -huh. the way. Uh, we all go through our day, and there are frustrating aspects to what we're doing. Right. Some of which we've already we've just accepted as uh -huh. the way things are. Yeah. And so the, the trick maybe is to step back and say. Is there a way that that could be made better? Yeah. With the tools I already have, can I cobble something mm -hmm. together that would streamline? Yeah. Because my TCR tool, for instance, is cobbled together stuff. It's like, uh, it's a little Go program I wrote that I invoke as an external tool from the IDE when a certain keyboard right. shortcut is hit that opens up Sublime Merge and right. gives me a window and squashes and it so it's it's cobbling together all sorts of command line utilities yeah just in a because i don't no one's built the tool i want yet so i have to mm -hmm. improvise yeah yeah feedback is yeah well and it's interesting too because it, it's not just i mean you're talking about a process that you yeah. go through with your code yeah. as an individual but this applies to teams too, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that's how we wound up with agile development, and, mm -hmm. you know. And, and it, again, it was these people had dealt with organizational issues on that level for yeah. that period of time, and then they all came together and shared their ideas and shared their concerns. Up here at Snowbird, incidentally. Yep. Right. I've been there with Uncle Bob. We yeah, we heard got, about that on the last to, episode. We got to tour with him. It was, yeah. It was fun. He even wrote it on the board, just like old times. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but that's the idea, right? So, yeah. so all these ideas come together, and then at the end, we have this cohesive idea of okay, this is the process we're going to follow as a team. These are the practices that we're going to do as individuals to back it up, yeah. right? These are the outcomes that give us a measurement or feedback in the future on how we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, there was another great insight from a guy named Woody Zool. He's the mob programming guru. Uh -huh. He came to Smarty Streets and talked about doing retrospectives, which is a great yep. agile. Uh, depending on who's running them. Yeah, depending on, depending <laughs> on how they go. But his, his idea was very simple. What went well and how can we do more of that? Yes. He calls it turning up the good. I and, like that. And you can take any situation that's not going well, and if you can find just one little thing that is going well and figure out how to leverage that or how to build on that or do more of that, uh -huh. you can you can pull out of almost any bad situation. Right, so when does it go from a, like an idea or something we're trying to a discipline or a habit? You know, so when you turn up the good, when do you turn it up to the point where it is a discipline instead of just... Uh, I think for me, uh, it was the moment when when I started coding something and just instinctively reached for the keyboard shortcut that runs my tool because I felt like that's the best way to move forward. It was it was that it felt better to do it that way than the way I was previously right. doing it. Um, who knows how long that will that will 
continue, right. uh, I might go back to TDD just yeah. as, it, as it was. Um, I think if you're in a team setting, you have to agree as a team how you're going to move forward. Right. Um, and that might not be TCR. That might not yeah. even be TDD. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It just depends on the team. Yeah. One other thing that I think is interesting here too, and just occurred to me, is that even the team disciplines, right? The things that you do as a team. Yeah. You know, so it's not just your yeah. muscle memory. I'm ready to commit, right? And uh -huh. it runs your tool. Um, that that happens through reinforcement. You're doing it over and over and over again. It gets reinforced in your brain. But all of the team disciplines also get reinforced. They yes. they become disciplines there's kind of a, reinforcement. There's a too. team habit. Yeah. Sense there. Yeah. Yeah. By you talking about it and re, you know reinforcing each other doing it and things like that. But anyway, it just occurred to me, and I'm just going. This this goes deep. It's it's not just a. Oh well, I want to do better, and so I'm going to learn TDD and do TDD. Right. It, it's down to you know, yeah, improving the tools, making it more streamlined, making it more automatic, and so it may be the same discipline, but it may wind up looking different over time as you make the process. Right. Right. So who are you watching? Because you mentioned you've got these people out there that you pay attention to that are trying things. You know, sure. The the test test and commit or revert from Kent Beck, right? Sure. So who else are you watching to get ideas of disciplines that you can put into place? Oh, it's, gosh. Um, there's Kent Beck, of course. Any of those Agile guys that are active on Twitter, I'm, I'm right. listening to. Um, so Martin Fowler. Martin Fowler. Uncle Bob. Yep, Uncle Bob. Um, Dave Thomas, Andy Hunt. Yeah, the, the Pragmatic Programmers. I'm reading kind of some of those old books like Pragmatic Programmer yeah. that's come oh, out classic. recently. Like the second edition or 20 year edition, 20 year I guess. edition or 25 yeah. year, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, I was actually reading um, Martin Fowler's re release of Refactoring, uh -huh. and he talks about every time he does a refactoring, he commits. Right. And that, that was about the time when I was uh, first introduced to uh, TCR, and, and those two ideas kind oh, of I like clicked. That. That anytime you do a, a tiny change, you commit, and he talks about how now you're you're going to want to squash all those little refactoring commits, right? Um, but you want to have them, with the option to squash them rather than not right. have them, and uh, it's just so. Well, I like these, that with the TCR process, right? Because it's yeah. the other end of that that I didn't think of is you you do the refactor and then you run the test and then yeah. it goes nope. Yeah. TCR is probably easiest to learn on a refactoring project, right. not when you're. No, going yeah, from not scratch. Stuff. Yeah, it's easiest to get the hang of when you're refactoring. Anyway, you're asking who I follow. Those are the main ones as far as software development workflows. There are, you know, other gurus in the business world like, like David Allen, for instance. He's the author of Getting Things Done. Yep. I'm, I'm a big GTD advocate. That's a discipline. Right. Well, that's several. That's a collection of yes, disciplines that you have to install in your life. Um, so that's, yeah, there, there are lots of thought leaders to follow. I think you, you have to kind of you find those yourself. I, I, I yeah. hesitate to share like too many of who I follow because yeah. you got so, but but that's interesting too, right? So, let's say that, you know, I go follow all the people that you're following. Yeah. And for whatever reason, whatever Martin Fowler is talking about today, I'm just like, this stuff just isn't jiving for me, right? So that I, that means maybe I. Maybe it's pain that I have to go through, but maybe I just need to find somebody who's telling you me to do it differently. Yeah, maybe right? you value different things. Right. So, how do you evaluate people? Because, like in the business world, especially, I mean, there are as many <laughs> disciplines and ideas around disciplines you can implement as there are people out there putting them forward. And so, how do you how do you determine which ones you want to listen to, 
as either people who are going to put you through necessary pain or people who are going to reinforce, you know, turn up the good for you, so to speak, Yeah. versus the people who aren't going to work for you or are putting things out there without a solid foundation under them or things like that. How do you, how do you make that determination for yourself? Boy, uh, when I first started at Smarty Streets and was a brand new developer, uh, Jonathan basically just put book after book after book on my desk and the names were, it was kind of the same names that kept coming up. Right. And so that kind of started me along a certain trajectory as far as thought leaders and who I was interested in. And it's, I've branched out from there, obviously, but um, I think you need to find a mentor. You need to find someone who's willing to show you what's meaningful to them. Right. And at some point you have to ask, is that also meaningful to me? Right. And, and you might come up with a few differences in, in your approach, but yeah. uh, finding a mentor is, is huge. Yeah, I, I would so not true. be where I am today without a mentor, many mentors. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because, I mean, when I made the full-time transition into software development, I mean, granted, I'd been working QA before that, right? And before that, I was running a, a support team for Mosey, which is sure. the street. Yeah. Um, and in each case, yeah, I had a mentor, right? I had somebody that was showing me the ropes and walking me through stuff and helping me figure out what I was doing. Um, I don't think either of them put a book in front of me ever, right? <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, they had an idea of what, what uh, the thing I was doing and how it should look. And then, yeah, from there, once I got enough experience, then I had a basis to go ahead and say, okay, well, I'm not going to do things the way that this person does it. Right. And... The, the other end of that is, is um, at least for me, and, and maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment, but my favorites are the ones that don't believe the same things I believe, sure. but can make a point that forces me to think about it, right? Yeah. And so I, I like to get a good mix of those. So some of it is going to be, yeah, somebody who's a step or two ahead of me on the things that I have fully bought into, right? And so they're not challenging my thinking so much as just saying, have you tried this? It'll help. Right. Yep. And then the other ones are okay. You've never even thought of this before, and you know to give it a good thought, and then to go try it. I think you mentioned yeah. earlier, like Kent Beck. You know, when when somebody right. said put in the or revert part, yeah. right? Yeah. And he's like, I hate that, so I've got to go try it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and there's there's a certain level to that. You're never gonna break out, and it seems like a lot of the major leaps forward that we see in technology or society come out of somebody just hitting something that nobody else considered and then everybody else kind of goes i'm skeptical but then as more and more people are successful with it it just kind of becomes something that we take for granted now right and so you never know when you're going to encounter yeah. something like that just keep your eyes yeah. open but yeah and, and you also i think it was you that said it It might have been jonathan because it's all running together now but um, i'm pretty sure you said that a lot of it is you figure it out by doing it right yeah you put it into practice and that way you can really see the the results from it you pay attention to feedback yeah um, one question that i have for you on that front is how deep or how far how long right so if you're going to try like test, test and commit or revert, right? Uh -huh. How long did you try it before you really knew? Because when I try new things, especially things like that, I mean, the first couple of days, I'm like, this is rough. <laughs> this, this sucks, right? Yeah. This is hard. Yeah, so he, he prefaces the explanation of TCR with, 
I'm not advocating that you try it. I'm not even describing its benefits. I'm just kind of putting it out there. And if you're the sort of person that tries new programming workflows just for fun, you might dig this. And that's, I think I'm <laughs> yeah. in that camp. I like trying new things. I'm more interested sometimes in how we build software than what we're actually building. Um, that's not always the best mindset to have. You need people that just push there's it forward. Obviously, there's, yeah, a there's a balance. Um, so when I first heard about it, I thought, you know, how can you, you have to see the test fail and for the right reason, you have to have that red step. So I didn't really get it at first. I thought what he meant must have been something like if the test pass commit, if they fail for the wrong reason, then revert. But if they fail for the right, if you expect the failure. Right. And so I tried various workflows along that, uh -huh. uh, along those lines and eventually just realized, no, he means fail for any reason, you revert. And so once I started trying that, I realized very quickly that I had to come up with a tool that would help with it and yeah. I needed a way to squash commits easily with a keyboard shortcut. Um, I had to build stuff and actually try some of the old favorite exercises, right. you know, bowling game or whatever, whatever you go to when you learn a new language, say. Right. You gotta try that a few times. I don't know, it was probably a couple weeks of just me being interested in it. Um, mostly, I just loved the feeling of when things passed and the commit happened, there was just something new and, and energizing right. about that. Mm -hmm. that wasn't there with TDD, I, I don't know. It, right. Integrating with the version control, combining uh -huh. testing with version control was powerful and right. new. It made software development a brand new thing for me. Right. I think that's why I stuck with it. I just felt like this is, this is, uh, this is the same, same thing I've always been doing mm -hmm. for the last 10 years, but it's different now. It right. feels different. Um, so when it becomes old hat, you know, yeah. you get used to it, right? So at that point, if you were, if you go back to TDD, is that a failure? Are you going to feel like you failed at all? No, I don't think so. There are times when I honestly can't see how to TCR something, uh -huh. and so I, I turn that tool off and I go back to TDD, and I just kind of rough it in, and I see if oh that wasn't the right failure. Now I fix it. Okay, that's the right failure. Um, certain changes, I just haven't figured out how to do in tiny right. steps. Um, it's a fun challenge. I think that's also what I love about it. It's um, it's tr doing old things, but in a new way. Some people just don't get right. into that, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but I do. Um, I don't know if that helps. Yeah. That's that's how I. Yeah. Have you have you tried processes or uh, disciplines? Have you have you gotten into a discipline and then decided you know what this just really isn't it? This isn't something I want to do. You know. <laughs> For a long time, I've been trying to convince myself that uh, that I should get to bed earlier and get up earlier and make use of that early morning time when I'm fresh. And, and there's a voice in my head that says the same thing. Yeah, and 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 there are times where maybe for a few weeks or maybe a month, I'm able to do that, and, uh -huh. and my life is different, and I enjoy it. And I I I'm, I've never been able to sustain it like I want. Yeah. So there's something I, I feel like it's important, and I want to eventually get there, but there's something missing for me. I haven't yeah. figured out myself or what to do about myself in order to, yeah. to make that a habit. Yeah, I, I have an example of that personally. So in October, I ran the St. George Marathon. Oh, wow, right? congrats. That's and awesome. Thanks. So, uh, you know, I was, I was really diligent. I got out there, I was running every day. And yeah, that, that was the beginning of October. Um, November, December, I haven't run 
January haven't been running, yeah. right? And I want to do another marathon, but it's, you know, the, the novelty's kind of worn off, right? Um, and part of me is like, well, I want to go and I want to improve my time by so much, but it hasn't gotten me out the door, right? Right. <laughs> and so it's, yeah, you know, what you're saying as far as, um, you know, adding that new element I'm, I'm almost tempted to, you know, okay, well, what's the next big challenge? You know, is it a half oh, okay. Ironman or an right, Ironman, right? right? Or something like that, because that's going to push me to take that next step, right? It's going to give me that novelty. Oh, now I got to go get out on the dang bike, right? right. I got to go hit the pool. Right. And, you know, I, I think I think we're all kind of wired that way to some degree. And, you know, for some people, it's just the steady thing every time. And for others, it sounds like you're this way and I'm this way is okay, what's new? What's to explore next? And yeah, how do we, how do we incorporate that into what we're doing? Yeah, I think so. I, I guess some, for some things I, I appreciate routine. Yes. And I want structure that's yeah. familiar, but yeah, I think you're right. Well, you, you want that in the areas that you don't want to think about. Yeah, autopilot. Yeah, and I autopilot a ton of crap. Anybody who says they're not autopiloting a ton of crap needs to become more self-aware because you're autopiloting yeah. a ton of crap. They must not drive ever, right? <laughs> oh, I do that all the time. So the last few weeks I've had to drive my kids to school because our carpool partner, their car broke down. And uh, I think I think every day last week and the week before, except for maybe one or two exceptions, I drove down to the freeway and then it was like, I got to go back and pick up that kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because yeah. I just wasn't thinking. Yeah. On autopilot. Yeah. Wow. So, what kind of disciplines do you hold to? Does any of this has any of this resonated with you, or have, have you? Had yeah. Any realizations. So, I mean, I I have to preface this by saying that uh, I've I've been trying to make sure I do an hour a day of programming, and I have to make sure I get that in because most of my time is spent, right. you know, working with podcast hosts and um, you know uh, prepping for shows and things like that. So, I am looking at stuff all the time. But I'm not practicing all of it all the time because I'm on like seven, eight, nine shows sure. a week. Right? Well, maybe just in life in general. But yeah, so on the podcast front, for example, um, yeah, you know, one discipline I have is just to make sure that I add, and this is going to sound totally insane, and I've been doing it for the past two or three weeks, but it's making sure that I get 100 new people into the pipeline for the sponsorships every week because we're a little bit behind on sponsorship sure. income right now. Um, you know, and, and that discipline may change, but if that discipline changes, then I'm just going to, you know, it's going to be some other number or in some other area. Right. So it's, you know, I'm going to write so many processes for how we do a particular thing every week or so work on the organization. Not yeah, just in it. Right? right. Yep. You know, and looking for sponsors is, is in the organization, not necessarily on it, but having those processes in place. Right. And, and looking at those disciplines. So, yeah, so I'm going to be implementing the stuff that I learned this morning from, uh, from this other guy, you know, for the looking for sponsors. And right, I'm going right. to be putting that into place. And that's going to become a new discipline, right? And, uh, yeah, you know, he, he basically handed me a whole bunch of automation tools for what I was already doing, right? Yeah. So it's a discipline I'm already using. But the flip side is, is you know. It's going to become way more effective. It's going to become more efficient for my time anyway. And so, yeah, just things like that that kind of come together that way and make the difference. That Those are the kinds of things that I'm looking at. But um, also passing some of this efficiency on to my uh, co-host, right? Because honestly, I don't have time to be on every podcast I'm on every week, right? right? And, um, you know, we had some things go on. I'm not going to get into it on this show. We had some things go on on Twitter that 
caused some some of my hosts to feel like they didn't want to have anything to do with this anymore, right? Fun. And yeah. so so that's why I'm hosting so many other shows, right? Is because I I had to backfill sure. podcasts. And so I'm trying to get to the point where I don't have to do that anymore. But yeah, so then some of it, some of the discipline is how do I teach other people to do what I need done for the shows, right? So that they can be successful. They can get the outcomes they want from the shows, right? So as far as like promoting themselves, um, you know, but you don't want to overdo it. So it's like, I'm tired of hearing about that guy's company. Right. But the flip side is, is they ought to hear about your company. You're on the dang show, right? Sure. Um, you know, so, you know, how do we run the shows? How do we reach out to people? How do we make sure that we appreciated them coming on? How do we get their information into the system so that we can, you know, anyway, so all of those disciplines, right? right? Um, social media disciplines, you know, how do we post? What do we post? You know, how do we make that interesting so people are going to want to click it? And so, yeah, all of those things are, are things that we're, we're looking at. And, you know, to your point, you know, for example, with Git, right, we have social media tools. And so it's like, okay, well, what's the social media tool that allows us to post all of the accounts that we post to, manage everything that we've got to manage, and, you know, to some extent automate what we're pushing out. Sure. And so, you know, there, there are disciplines in all this stuff. And, um, you know, there's disciplines with the way that I deal with the rest of the team, right? Yeah. Um, and there are disciplines to the way that I, as the leader, run the team, right? And so the, there are all these different things that go in. And yeah, it all plays in. And wherever you get those, wherever I seem to be able to get those defined, things run much more smoothly. And to the extent that I allow other people to take ownership of the discipline, then I find that they're willing to make the discipline better. They're, they're willing to add on to what we already have to make it better. Right. It's fun to hear what other people struggle with and what they're it's grappling hard. with. It is so hard, though, because, yeah, I mean, for the most part, unless you're seeing a massive upside, it's hard to change. Yeah, and disciplines are usually counterintuitive. Yeah. They usually don't make sense up front. Yeah. And they, they play into the idea that... Um, well, and you've got that habit built around the other thing, and so you've got to yeah. unwind that, too. You're fighting your own nature to get it in. Yeah, and they... You only see the benefit in the long term, right? And right. human beings, we uh, we tend to get frustrated when things don't happen mm -hmm. in the short term. But right. we, we underestimate how much we could do in the long term mm -hmm. if we held to it. Compound interest. Yeah. It's yeah. not just money. Yeah, like a, a month-long goal or a year-long goal is somewhat short-sighted. If you, mm -hmm. if you figure out a, a discipline that helps you and you commit to doing that thing for five or ten years, right. that's a huge win yep. for your life. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, they run into that too, where they are essentially, they're uncomfortable with projecting out five or 10 years, right? Sure, sure. And they're like, well, I just don't know where I'm going to be. But the thing is, is like, you know, there are some fundamental things that you know you want, yeah. right? We all want to be good people. We all want to be good at our job. Yeah. We, we all want to be good parents if we have kids. Yeah. I want to be able to retire when I'm 60 yeah. or 70 or whatever, you know, or maybe I don't want to have to retire, but if I get hit by yeah. a bus, I don't want to have to have my wife go work at Walmart as a yep. greeter or whatever, right? And so, um, and there's nothing wrong with that profession. I'm just going to point out, but you know, <laughs> I, I, if, if she doesn't want to go work at Walmart, I don't want her to yeah. go work at Walmart. Right. So, so there's financial discipline right. in that outcome. Yeah. So there, there are disciplines there. And so, you know, somewhat where you want to go. Yeah. And then I tell people to get specific cause you can change it. Right. If I change what I want in five years tomorrow, yeah. it doesn't change things for the five years. I'm just working for the other goal. 
Um, the only way that that's detrimental is if you're switching horses every two weeks, right? Sure. So, you know, if, if you can get a good idea of where you want to be in, in five years and you work steadily toward that until you have a concrete reason to change, right? Yep. I wanted to be a manager at a Fortune 500 company, but, you know, and so the first step was getting hired at a Fortune 500 company. So I got a year's worth of experience under my belt and I got a job at the Fortune 500 company and I figured out that I really hate Fortune 500 companies. You know, change of yep. plans, right? Yep. But until you have that solid kind of reason to switch and you think you'd be happy with the outcome that you've chosen, you're way better off sticking with the momentum you get by continually working on the disciplines that are gonna get you where you wanna go. And, you know, for me, like, um, my dad passed away a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, it, the, the momentum works the other way, right? He was diabetic. He he had a hip surgery go wrong, so he wasn't very active. Uh, and, you know, a bunch of other things, you know, that, that were unfortunate compounded upon his health condition to where he just, you know. Yeah. But the flip side is, is that had he really captured the vision of being healthy, there are other ways to do it. And so if he had really been, you know, had that idea of this is where I want to end up and this is these are the disciplines I need to put in place, there's no reason why he couldn't have been around for a few more years either. And, you know, and so I'm looking at that and saying, you know, in five years, I don't want to be where my dad was, right? Or in 20 years, you know, he's 25 years older than I am. You know, in 25 years, I don't want to end up where he is. You know, I don't want to die at 63. I want to die at 123, right? And so what disciplines am I putting in place now? And yeah, the payoff is huge, right? I want to be the 123-year-old grandpa that, or great-grandpa or great-great-grandpa where they come over to grandpa's house and the kids are going, come on, dad, keep up, right? right? Yep. So anyway... Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I've got to be doing the right things now. And, you know, there are some things that are not in my control, but there are a lot of things that are. And what I find is that generally a lot of the things that make the difference are in our control. And if you work on those, a lot of the rest of it can generally work itself out. Yeah. It's a, it's a good creative problem to have those yeah. kind of constraints. Yeah. But, yeah. And, you know, Jonathan... Jonathan and I talk a lot about vision, right? And with him, it was, you know, kind of vision for the organization. But you've got to have that vision for your life. Oh, yeah. And then you pick the disciplines that are going to lead you there. Totally. Yeah. Or your career, right? Or the, the kind of, I mean, even if it's just down to, I want to be a professional coder, right? Yeah. And I want to do professional stuff. You know, I'm making air quotes here. You know, but, I mean, if that's the measure of your self-worth at work, then do the disciplines to get you there. Yeah. Thanks for chatting with me about this. I know, I'm preaching it. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> We're both learning together. It's yeah. Great. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I completely agree. I'm working on pulling together another show that's called the DevRev. It's the developer revolution. Okay. And the whole idea is is to push people to step outside of that comfort zone. Mm. You know, outside of the, the system that we're in right now. And yeah. What do you want? How do you get there? And do what it takes, even if it's unconventional, and just get free of all the constraints that you have in your head or that are part of the organization that you're in or anything like that. That's why I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm going, I'm on this high, on this horse going, come on, come on, you know, because it's, I mean, this is the thing that I see think people more than anything else they get stuck on. And it's, it's all in their head. I can't. I can't do it. And it's like, why not? 
I, I have a, a good friend. He was uh, my neighbor for a while. He was actually a coworker at that first development job that I had. Um, and we were chatting, and he was talking about where he was working, and he and I had gone freelance at that point. And he looked at me and he goes, he goes, well, you know, he's like, I bet I can make a ton more money freelance. And I said, I bet you could, because he had a ton of experience, hmm. tons of contacts around here. I mean, he could have, he could have gone and consulted at a bunch of companies, and they'd have hired him to be a Java architect. And he would have made a ton of money. He would have been doing what he loved. He would have made those organizations better, you know, on and on and on and on and on. And I'm like, why don't you? And he says, I can't sell. Yeah. And I look at him and I go, I go, okay, well, have you ever drawn up a proposal for work? Because he was working for a consulting agency. Sure. I'm like, have you ever drawn up a proposal for work that said, this is what we're going to have to do? He says, yeah. And I said, have you ever put a dollar amount on that as far as like what it's worth to you to do it or what it's worth to the company to do it. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, you can sell, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, because that's the whole point, right? Is you're, you're attaching a value to the work and you can sell. And right. so it was all in his head. I'm not a salesman. But, you know, if that's what you want, go figure it out. Yeah, that's and, one I've told myself before. Yeah. And the other thing is, is I've hit some points where I have completely bombed on stuff. Like, it looks like it's just fatal. There's no way to recover from it. And every time I look at it, I chart a course of action, even if it's not perfect, and I work on it, and I work my way out of it. And I think that's what, coming back to this idea of the disciplines that we have and the disciplines that we're working on, is that that's the whole point, right? So you could try test and commit or revert, and you figure out, this isn't working. Right. This just isn't working. It may work for Kent. It may work for Mike. This is not working for me. Yeah. It doesn't mean your life's over. Right. It means that you're not going to do test and commit and re or revert when you write your code going forward. Yeah, if you're trying it out, obviously there's some uh, something you're hoping to get out of it. Maybe there's a yeah. different way. Yeah. And maybe you learned a few things like, oh, well, I really do work better in the bite-sized chunks. Right. It's just some aspect of this particular workflow that doesn't go. Right. Things tweaking. Yeah. So cool. What are you working on now? Oh, we are, my team and I, we're building a, uh, a little tool to help the operations and infrastructure team uh, resolve dependencies and data packages. And it's just a little command line utility. So it's, it's been a good learning experience. Um, it's been something very different. Usually we're working on, you know, APIs and long running right. processes and HTTP servers. But yeah. this is just a, a utility. So uh -huh. the, the rules are a little different. And, but we still... Yeah. We've still tried to hold fast to good design. Mm -hmm. and um, but Yeah, that, that's the main project, just a little command line utility. It's funny because uh, Ruby has one that does dependency. Sure. Um, resolution. Resolution. Yeah. Sorry, I knew there was a word. Um, you know, NPM and Yarn both sure. do dependency resolution. Um, this one actually doesn't do that. But it's still a yeah. pain in the butt. Like making sure that everything is the yeah, right yeah. way. It's still a pain in the butt. We've uh, sidestepped a lot of that complexity, and we just take a list of dependencies and where to go get them and where to put them, and there's some checksumming to validate. What oh, we good got, deal. And it's pretty simple. Good deal. That sounds like fun. Writing it in Go. Yep. It's kind of our go-to tool at the time. Yep. Currently, has been for the last five or six years, maybe six or seven years, probably. It's been good. Good deal. Now, if people want to reach out to you, um, you said your the blog post on this is on um, sure. Michael Watcott. Sure, there's michaelwatcott.com, or there's like MD Watcott on Twitter, uh -huh. or Gmail, or GitHub. 
It's kind of my handle, mdwatcott, W-H-A-T-C-O-T-T. Good deal. Yeah, feel free to reach out. All right. We'll, uh, we'll let people know that. We'll put it in the show notes, and yeah, we'll set it all up. Good talking to you, Chuck. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Mike. It's a pleasure. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.